talk. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of You Talk Too Much and I am here with my guest for this episode who is my older sister and we are at our family camp out here at um, a local campsite and I'm just going to get my sister to properly introduce herself to you guys. Hello podcasters, Um, I am You Talk Too Much's oldest sister. I am a mother of two and an engineer by trade and my goal in life is um, when I'm thinking of inspiration is to inspire others um, with whatever journey I am going through whether it's motherhood or career or just my culture yeah that's me awesome thank you for the introduction Uh, so my first question is what made you want to do engineering as a young woman? I think, I'm not sure if it's my generation, but it was just trying to be different. If I really reflected on it, it was trying to see, um, um, take the path less taken. <laughs> Actually, I need to look up what that saying is, but it's basically cheating on the path less, less taken. No, it doesn't sound as eloquent. But yeah, I think that's what that's where init- the initial drive came from. Um, a rebellion against the misogyny of my father, <laughs> who thought that being an engineer um, was for boys. Um, and then my love of science and knowing that it's either right or wrong. It's not abstract. <laughs> if you fall, you will hurt yourself. One plus one will always equal two. And we were all because I are so um, yeah. That's what made me to be an engineer. If I look at back and reflect on that. So you went to like I did to uh, Desal One schools your whole life in South Auckland. You don't. You guys didn't have Desal One. Oh yes, for those of you who are listening overseas because I know there's lots of exotic places that tune into my podcast. Uh, Desol One is the known to be the lowest quality type of schools because of the area that they're located in is supposed to be the lowest socioeconomic areas, like the people with the, okay, the poor people. <laughs> in, uh, in, in, in very um, simple terms. And that's, of course, us growing up in South Auckland, that's that happened to be all the schools that we went to. Um, anyway, so you, you like what the stereotype is that these South Auckland schools are not high quality. And yet you were able to get into a career that is known to be quite difficult to get into. What, what do you think? it was about the education that you received from these DSL1 schools in South Auckland that helped you get to where you are now? Uh, I think a lot of 
because I've had many years outside of school now, <laughs> I'm able to reflect on what it is that um, path, the journey that I went on in terms of becoming an engineer. And I think it's because of um, the way I was brought up, um, the resilience in not only myself, but my fellow peers, that um, it's the student that makes the school really. Um, if you are determined to be somebody and be something, isn't that off a movie? <laughs> Let's not go there. Um, yeah, I'm not going to sing that on straight. Um, but yeah, if you are, then that combination plus your resilience and maybe some call it luck, um, but opportunities that presents itself. When those three things come together, I think that's what happened for me. I had those. I could have had two of those happen and not an opportunity, and I wouldn't be sitting here now, if we're, if we're honest. Or you could have had a dad that was like, of course you can be an engineer. Girls, girls rule the world. Rather than our dad, who was telling us, no, you cannot help me fix your, the car, because our dad is trained in... <laughs> as, a, as a mechanic that's why he came to New Zealand to study no but I mean he never he was always like cars are for boys and I can't speak because I have no practical skills so he was right with me um, <laughs> I would have just like tried to help him and the car would get worse um, anyway so you eventually made it into Auckland University to the uh, School of Engineering um, what was it like studying? I mean, that's part of the reason why I asked you to come on and, and record this with me is because it's Women's History Month and you happen to be the first. <laughs> I'm always worried because we always think we're the first in New Zealand and then we find out there's one in America that's there's like already been a Tongan woman in America who done it. But, but we confidently say that oh, it's the first Tongan woman. Um, that you're one of the first Tongan you're the one okay you're the pine one of the pioneers of of tongan women to go into engineering so that's the, <laughs> that's the same thing to say um yeah so how was it being not only one of the few women engineers i i think that the stats are probably better they're pretty low still wow okay um and in one of the few pacific islanders and one of the few tongans um how was it being in engineering school and studying at one of the top universities in New Zealand? Honestly, I think I had a confidence in me where I was so determined to uh, not be deter not be defined by my surroundings. I was so determined to make it to the city. Um, I spent <laughs> typical South Auckland girl who only had church, home, and school as her borderline in life, I was determined to make a past Princess Street on-ramp <laughs> and into the city. And lo and behold, I did. And uh, when I got there, on my own personal experience, um, it was hard, but I think I never thought about it, that it was hard because of who I was um, as a female or who I was as my identity. I think it was, I just found it hard myself because if we're honest, I didn't have, I wasn't exposed to the same um, academia that, that my counterparts had. So the Auckland boys and the St. Cuthbert girls, they had, they had the package to come in. They were taught the things they were supposed to be taught. Whereas I only had resilience. 
I had resilience and I had grit and that was going to get me through uni. And now I was on the level playing field with everyone else, whereas I had the same teachers as the top tier students. And so I had no excuse now. So, so resilience is going to pay off in the long run, I found. Yeah, because I was, when I, by the time I graduated, the top tier student, I'll call it top tier because maybe that's more understandable, that I had started with had um, given up in the first year, a lot of them, because they didn't have the, the tutors that were sitting by them they were so used to in their high school years or someone holding their hand through all that time was up to them. And so, whereas I never had that. So the same resilience that got me to uni was going to get me through uni. Uh, so, yeah, was there any other um, thing that contributed to you being able to not only make it into uni but stay there, especially stay there, like in terms? Because I know for me, when I was in high school, you were already at, at university and you were bringing me into university and exposing me to all like the Pacifica associations that you were part of. Can you speak more about those groups? Oh yeah, so those groups were real um, helpful in showing you that you weren't alone. Um, I think it's important when you're journeying through something, just like anything else, you join a support group, whether it's um, uni or whether it's motherhood, as I'm finding now, or whether it's the career path that you've taken as engineers. Um, finding that support group is important. So at uni, we had a group called SPI, South Pacific Engineering, Engineering uh, Island Engineering students and um, it was good to know that the people who were struggling with managing their time because of church and culture I was with them in that journey and that was real comforting because that kind of took that aspect of you know it's only me I'm isolated I'm going through this myself to be okay this person's here with me I can do it because this person's here with me if they can do it I can do it so yeah does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, I found it really um, help. Yeah, real helpful, especially since I was in high school <laughs> and and stuck to Princess Street too. And then you went to university, and you were, you were like, "Oh yeah, come to town." And I was like, oh, "I'm going past Princess Street." Oh my gosh, we have I've not fallen off this edge of South Auckland. <laughs> There's a land beyond. <laughs> there is land beyond um yeah so like you you made it into engineering school and you know you're you're working your way through can you describe because i know that your first year that you 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 actually had set your mind onto majoring in electrical engineering so for those of you who don't know much about engineering you have like the first year is like many other science degrees that are specialized like medicine and stuff you take a whole bunch of papers and then use and then in your further years you specialize so you wanted to do electrical engineering but um your first year wasn't didn't go as planned so can you describe what happened and and yeah what happened in your degree after that Yes, so uh, in the first year, I was exposed to all the different 
um, disciplines and I, I had it in my mindset that I was going to do engineering electrical before I entered uni because there was a big blackout in Auckland when I was in high school and I decided then just how important power was and how important it would be to be behind <laughs> controlling that because no one could do anything traffic lights are out you couldn't even toast your toast you couldn't even watch tv to wait for the power to come back on so when I got to uni, I did um, the first few papers and sure enough, um, I passed every other paper but electrical. And that was the first semester and they offered a second semester. So I tried again and I <laughs> failed again. And usually you get three strikes at uni. <laughs> the law. And um, my teacher, my dean was like, okay, Veronica, uh, do you really want to do electrical because uh, you do flying colors and mechanical and things? And I was like, no, I still want to. Can you just give me one more chance? And of course, the last chance was in summer school. Um, in summer school. And so I was able to do summer school. And I don't know, everything started clicking then. And I think that's, I guess, yeah, that's the resilient part was that I was like, you know, I'm determined to do this. But then when things started to click, I think that was my brain just um, learning things. And so instead of taking me four years to finish the degree, I finished in five. And my dean, when I graduated, he's like, she was like, well, Veronica, some people take the highway, but you take the scenic route. <laughs> and you know what? You got there in the end. I was like, thank you. <laughs> I did, didn't I? <laughs> um... So, yeah, so you, so how did you, like, keep, you know, go going towards your goal? Like, when you're in those classes for the, like, the third time? And those papers for the third time? Yeah, like, what helped you, like, keep going and, and, and not feel, like, that kind of, I, I don't know, personally, I would feel like, oh, maybe it's a sign from God I, I shouldn't be where I think I want to be I think um, one was just seeing well what I have there's a few the so the obligation to honor my parents with um, the dreams that they set coming here I had a dream to become an engineer so that was one thing second thing was there were, I didn't have I did my head I didn't have another option like I was going if the if I had another opportunity to do this which is this, the third strike I'm gonna take it and then I'll see what happens after this. So if I, at third strike, I don't know what would happen. I, maybe I would have gone to MIT to do a tech um, version of the degree. But I would become a civil engineer. It would, like I said, it would probably be a big, small, longer scenic route. But it'll still be a route to the end. It'll be a world tour in 80 days or something. Like I would, yeah. So um, no. I would definitely become an engineer, just probably be a different avenue. Yeah. I think like if I remember just being your younger sister growing up is like <laughs> Well, not like I was actually young then. Now I'm just younger, but like an old younger sister. Um, <laughs> um is that how you always are good at not be showing your fear like when like I don't remember you like you were always achieving well but I never saw you stressing out about trying to like it didn't look like you were trying you 
you were quite good at keeping your obligations as the eldest in the family and to our Tong community. Um, yeah, what do you think it is about your personality, personality that helps you uh, kind of keep it all together? What do you think it is about? I think it's just, oh, sorry. Um, oh, yeah, let me move forward. I think uh, just the position I have in our family, being the oldest. Yeah. Um, and being, yeah, being like, I think I was taught at a very young age that I must have extra grace, I must have be confident in my role and that I'm always going to stand next to my parents and the decisions that I make and always be a good example to my younger siblings so I had that had that ingrained in me and I took instead of the option of um I mean I don't blame other people who are in the same position as I who take the role of like well I'm not supposed to do this this is your role you're the parents or people who take the option that I take and they take on and accept that role and decide, okay, I am going to be this strong, confident person and I'm going to not show my fears and just get the job done. And whether I fail and stuff, I just got to get up and keep going. And I've taken that role on. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I show it. Growing up, you know, I was always like academic, but you could like, I would not go to church stuff because I'd stay home and study. It's for you. I real I noticed growing up that you still were very involved in family stuff, very involved in church stuff, and yet you're still able to to achieve well academically as well. So how how like what was it about you that kind of helped you balance life so well like that? Well, I've never. If, um, I think it comes down to my faith. I've always felt deep down inside that if I honored God with everything I had, that he would reward me. And I didn't, not doing that because he would, but in his word he says um, he makes things work out for the good of those who um, honor him. And in that, I there's, that's probably the truth in it. I mean, my, my journey is pretty much a reflection of that verse. And if that's something I can only speak on, I don't know if people who aren't of faith can relate to that. Maybe that's something that the universe tells them. But yeah, I think, um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, faith is a big part of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe my faith was still growing when I was growing up cuz yeah, I don't think so. I don't know people I've never judged people or thought of people in their journeys on how they do things. I always think okay, that's that's the burden they carry whether I I reckon it's a light burden, but that's their burden that they were given to carry. I can't judge them on how they carry it. Whereas I've been given this burden, this is how I carry it. So yeah, it's it's real relative. You can't say their problem is co- small compared to you because that's their problem. It's big in their life, and my responsibilities were considered minor. My responsibilities are church, family, and school. I considered. Mm. So so yeah, like we've been talking about um, and the about 
is that you went through engineering school and then you graduated <laughs> and now you're in the workforce and because okay so my sisters and I were very close we like talk about everything and I know that you talked to me about um being what it's actually like being out there and and you being a woman not only a woman but being a pacifica and having experiences like being mistaken for the secretary who looks very different from you <laughs> as a Samoan lady and looks very different from you like how do you handle those moments especially when people like in the engineering field are still very male are still predominantly white and they don't have any personal experience of people like us grow in their growing up like how have you handled being in the workforce and 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 being confident in your job well you well like i think the reason why i went to engineering is was practical so because <laughs> is that the sign like on the oscars that tells you that it's enough no so um in my role as an engineer I consider myself an ambassador so when I go into that room I'm like okay but then nowadays I'm like well I should my credentials speak for itself so um, when people kind of like oh Ronnie that's not a guy <laughs> her actual name is Veronica which is usually why I got in the beginning when I used to do science inspections um, and usually when I walk into a room they expect me to take the notes when one I'm not the person who called the meeting <laughs> and two I'm not the note taker like that's just not my job I'm one of the client room engineers um I just have to laugh it off and just keep going um yeah that's how I've come to it but I do notice that when I make a mistake in something I'm really hard on myself because um I have to prove myself that much more because the the first thing I know that is in people's minds, whether they are subconsciously think of or not, is like, oh, she's a female, that's why she got it wrong. Or, oh, she's an islander, that's why she got it wrong. I can't help but think that. So when, um, I, when I make mistakes, I know that I have to work twice as hard. So even when I get the same credentials or same accolades as someone who's a white male in my field, I've worked much more harder than they have to get there. And... I will have to prove myself when they make a mistake. It's like, oh, they brush it off. Me, I feel like they've judged me more on my character. Yeah. That's how I feel. I don't know. No, I understand. I mean, I, you know, teach at a central school. And this is one of the first non-South Auckland schools. So for a lot of these kids, this, um, like the first Pacifica they've met. And I'm teaching them maths. So in my mind... <laughs> I'm just like teaching like these Palangi and these Asian kids and they're like, but I'm better at maths than you. Why are you teaching me? So when I so when I make a mistake, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm like confirming their student. And it's not them. It might not be the kids. Maybe it's just me being paranoid. It's a bias. I find it my paranoia. It is my paranoia, I feel. No, but I think it's also there's some truth to it because I do notice especially to you know, with um, our leadership that that are Māori Pacifica, I feel like, and who have and other leadership who are from marginalised ethnic groups around the world, that we are defined by our mistakes rather than our successes more. 
And I think it's true whether people admit it or not, whether it's subconscious or conscious. So I think that's why we, when people say, uh, when other people hear us say we have to work twice as hard to get the same recognition, I th- that that's what we're talking about is like, um, yeah, when you when you have negative stereotypes um, about you, people always look for confirmation bias, or they have confirmation bias. I think that's what the sentence means. Okay, so um, yeah, um, we're finishing off our podcast because our family is watching a movie in the hall next to us. Um, we're, yeah, we're at our, we're at our parents' um, anniversary um, family camp right now. And um, yeah, I just want to thank my sister for, for taking some time out to to help me with this little whakamuna which we say in tongue with this little um, fun thing that I'm doing with my podcast and um, my final question is the question I ask all my guests is for those young people who are listening because I am in education and I do have a passion for the youth what are your final words of wisdom for them? Um, I think it's don't don't be too hard on yourself with your mistakes um, if you have a, a dream in your mind and and a goal that you want to complete in your career and choice in life, like I said, sometimes it's not the highway you take. Sometimes it's the scenic route. And it's just not to ever give up and find people that support you in that journey. I think that's what I can tell them. Because if someone like me can do it, um, take the scenic route, surround myself with people that believe in me and still get there in the end, then you can do it too. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, my sister and I were big Obama fans. So don't ever come and hate on the Obamas to us. No, I'm just saying, like, they're getting a lot of hate in the world, you know? Like, anyway, um, yeah, so to my listeners, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And please join me on my next installment of You Talk Too Much. Talk. Talk.